Hello, everybody. It's good to be back with you and to talk about something that should be near and dear to every Christian's heart, accepting Christ. So we're, let's let's just get into this, and I'll try not to be long-winded today, but I feel like I'll probably go down some rabbit holes, so just hang with me. So today, like I said, we're talking about accepting Christ. You know this podcast is about being redefined in Christ. But let's roll back and look at, at the very beginning of our Christian life. Maybe we don't really understand all we should about the gospel. Now, if you were a child, I could tell you that a man died so that you could live forever. And you would believe it because you're a child. And if you were a child and I I told you that, you would probably pray with me and invite Jesus into your life to change you forever. And you know what? You would do it. But we aren't children in that sense of the word, are we? We're adults. So we reason. We use our logic. We think through the experiences of our lives, alternate solutions. We think about things through the eyes of education, what we've learned, observed, remembered, and we make decisions. And so we would hesitate, and we'd try to figure it all out. Did Christ really die for us? And how does that affect me today? And what about all these other religions? Am I supposed to just believe this one? How is it possible that a man died and saved me from sin? And on and on go the questions. But still, the gospel is simple. You may have a lot of questions, but I suggest to experience the gospel first and ask the questions as you walk along your spiritual path, because believe me, there will be a lot of questions. The experience is spiritual, and you know it's impossible. It's impossible for us to even imagine in our natural minds what's taking place to us spiritually. Anyone that has received Christ knows this. Things are different. And being born again must be experienced. It can't just be explained. I don't know that it ever could really be explained. I spend all my time trying to do it, and it it, it seems it's more and more complex the more I try to explain when it's just really a simple thing. Hey, my name's Tim Atterbury. I forgot to tell you that in case you tuned in. But I want to welcome you to the podcast, Redefined in Christ. If you haven't been to any others, hey, click the, uh, click the button so you can follow me and get all the, all the podcasts. So we're talking about accepting Christ. And I'm not talking about just a new believer accepting Christ, but as one growing in a relationship with Christ in me, I have to accept this reality. It will make all the difference. Even if you've been born again spiritually through accepting Jesus, and that's because you confessed your knowledge of you living a sinful life and proclaimed him as Lord over your life and accepted his leadership into this marvelous, unforgettable experience, this spiritual experience, I think... I think you can take something from today. There's no need for big words here. I just want to break it down a bit. 
I do have to use biblical characters and ideas, but I'll try to stay away from the religious arguments and terminologies because we could get sidetracked easily. I'll try not to. Because in adherence to what uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5 says something like, not with brilliance of speech or wisdom, just Jesus Christ and Him crucified. With powerful demonstration of the Spirit. So your faith is based on God's power and not on the wisdom of men. This is how Paul said we should present the gospel. Most people want to stay uh, at the cross with their salvation. It seems they can't move on into spiritual development. I don't mean that bad, but it seems as though it's always, um, I don't know, it's, it's like spiritual immaturity. Only asking God for things and hoping for our salvation, but not really living in the abundance of life that he's given. Jesus did die on a cross to save us from sin, but I don't, and even save us from going to hell. But he saved us to something. We were lost and he found us. So it isn't about the escapism. It isn't about leaving, getting away from the, the judgment and everything. It's about finding something greater. You know what I'm saying? So just take this little journey with me. I'm going to kind of explain some things maybe in a way you haven't heard it before. Hopefully a little inspirational. First, I want to look at hell because it comes with reality of death. It comes with the reality of the grave. It exists because of the failure of man to embrace godhood. Not, not for us, but because we're following the devil in the process, and so hell becomes our destiny if we don't find Christ. We need to embrace the godhood that was given us, a divinity that we've been given. You know, we were meant to be rulers over the earth, maybe the whole universe. I don't know for sure the earth. Adam was given dominion over all those things. We were meant to live forever. And never die, but this is how we were created. We were created as rulers over the earth, lords over the plants, the animals, all that. So to say godhood might feel a little strange and throw people off, but some of us need to embrace a little more of our divine participation and understand what it means to be eternal, to be eternally alive. So what is eternal life? It's knowing God and Jesus. As a matter of fact, John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. So eternal life to us is knowing God. So it's about that relationship. Isn't that amazing? It's so clear in the scriptures once you just look at it. Read the prayer Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be one as he is one with God. It's realizing that the barrier of sin no longer stands between God and man, no longer between God and you and me. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 references this. So it's not just about being saved from hell. It's about knowing God in an intimate way. That, my friend, is eternal life. So, you know, God was here before time even existed, right? I mean, you do know that he didn't, he's not part of the universe, in the universe. He permeates the universe, but 
God was here even before time existed. There's some religions that teach God is like inside of all this stuff. They don't, they don't understand a God outside all the things we can see and experience. But he was here before time even existed, before space existed. He created it all. He is a spirit. We can see him in three persons in the scriptures. We see these personalities in his actions. So follow me in this because it's, it's the way I like to look at it. Now, Genesis is not the oldest book of the Bible, by the way. I don't know if you realize that, but it is the first one in the Bible, the first book of the Bible. Actually, Job is older, but Genesis is put in the front and it tells us about the beginning. And God wanted to introduce himself to us in this format. So we're introduced to a creator, God. God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens of the earth. That's, that's what we're supposed to see. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So it was put first in our Bibles, and this is the first verse we see, but it says a lot more than we realize. In the beginning, God created. Okay? God created. And then look what happens. And the Spirit of God moved. And then on the first day we see God said, let there be light. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but I see three things going on here. God created, the Spirit moved, God said. I suppose you could kind of view these three roles, I mean, I do, as like they were a movie role, okay? So let's just, just or a, a, yeah, like a program. You had the Father as the director, the Holy Spirit as the actor, and the Word as the script. Is that so hard to understand in your natural mind? I mean, first of all, you may find it hard to break God down in, in his three parts, and I realize there's some differences in opinion or, or even theology about the, the Trinity and what God really is to us or how we understand God. That's okay. But think about it this way. It shouldn't be so hard in our natural minds if you believe that you're a spirit, soul, and body. I mean, most of us are okay with that, right? You're a spirit a soul, a body? How do you separate them? <laughs> I'd just like to know, do you, do you think of your spirit and soul differently day in, day out? Do you say, okay, body, get up and do something, move. My spirit's telling me to do this. And you say, oh, soul, let's go. We're not going to stay here. I mean, I mean, I don't think we really do that. We don't separate ourselves out in that way. We see ourselves as one. God is one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or Father, Word, Holy Ghost. There are different names we use in translations. But <laughs> So how do we separate ourselves? We don't. We normally don't define the roles of spirit, soul, and body so clearly. So let's look at this story, the way I'm telling it. I think of it like a director. The director hosted a meeting. The script was being written, the actor taking the job. In this case, the actor would have to embody the script, be the script. I'm talking about the roles of the Father as a director, the Son as a script, and the Holy Spirit as an actor. So the spiritual DNA was birthed in Mary by the Holy Spirit. The actor brooded over the human virgin, Mary. The child was born and fathered by the Holy Spirit of God or the living and became the living word in the flesh. It was already the living word, but it became flesh. The script was birthed under this direction of the Father. It's interesting. 
So I guess you could say I am Trinitarian, but, but I don't get locked up in all those arguments about separation or togetherness of, of God. He's God. I don't understand it all, but I accept what the scriptures say, and it speaks about him in different ways at different times, in different forms. But he is spirit, and he is love, and he is truth, and he is light, and these are the expressions that were given through Jesus Christ. Jesus came as the Word. Just as he was the Word in heaven, he was the Word on earth, and the Spirit acted on what he spoke. The Spirit acted through the Son of God, and the, or the Son of Man, he called himself while he was here, You can see this rather clearly in John chapter 1. But let's take a peek, a quick peek at Genesis 1. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. There was light in the beginning of creation, and Jesus came in John 1 1 as the light of the earth. So Jesus was a script. He was the word and the enlightenment to the world. He was the explanation of God on the earth. And it's called light in John 1. The actions taken here were all done through the Holy Spirit as an actor, brooding over the the Virgin Mary and the Son of God born, who was the Word of God, in the form of a man. This is a way I like to think of their terms and roles. It kind of helps me theologically, I guess, to understand the Trinity. This work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit who was given to him without limitation, according to the Scriptures, was not a new job. The Spirit and the Word have always worked together as one, always directed by the Father. So we see from the beginning of beginnings, the Father, the Spirit of Word were in heaven. They're the Trinity together, one. They'd created a story like any great fiction in time was written from end to the beginning. So we see here in Isaiah that God makes a powerful declaration through the prophet inspired by the Holy Spirit saying, I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying my plan will take place and I will do all my will. Isaiah 46, 10. So this universe was conceived from its end and the story is playing out as it was conceived in the mind of the director, the writer, the actor, God. It's how it is. It's what I believe. That's the truth. John tells us in the beginning of his book that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This was the child born of the Virgin Mary. His name was Jesus. The man Jesus walked on this earth. This was God in the flesh. The Word of God made flesh. This was the script that was written into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Wow, he came in the form of, he was first in the written Word formed into a natural body, a man, and now his Holy Spirit is in us, and we're, we're the actors. We're the living novel, living out as this story as born-again believers. Have you ever thought of yourself as part of this big picture, not just your everyday life, poor, pitiful me, not connected to anything or anybody. We're part of something grand. We're part of this grand novel of God. But why? Why did we end up in this story? Why did God be, become embodied in this God-man, Jesus, who is the essence of God wrapped up in the boundaries of humanness, yet with unlimited ability of the Holy Spirit? And why did he put his Holy Spirit in us 
to act out the script. Our transformed spirits made one with his Holy Spirit. We are in him. He is in us. We are one. Your spirit has been changed in such a way that you cannot literally separate it from the Holy Spirit. You realize that's like, it's, it's interesting. We don't really think of it that way. I mean, we, we do a little bit, but we don't really grasp that even the word spirit in the New Testament, if it weren't for some translator making it a capital S or a small s, you wouldn't even know sometimes which one it's talking about because it's talking about one. When we are Christians, we are one in Him. Wow. You find that amazing? I, I, how, how do you, how can I explain that? How, how can I even grasp it in my own mind? I'm sitting here saying it thinking, I don't even, I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, really, how, how do you, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself accepting Christ? Not just Christ as a child, an infant, not just a man walking on the earth, but a Christ that you've accepted into your life, a Christ that you've become one with? Have you accepted Christ? I want to ask you what I asked a group of young people in, in Honduras when I was there visiting Chihuahua's youth service in this village. There was probably about 15 youth there. And I asked them this question. What are you doing with Jesus? I'm asking you today. You've accepted him into your life. What are you doing with Jesus? Jesus.